Our high school guidance counselor used to ask us what you would do if you had a million dollars. Didn't have to work. And then invariably, whatever you'd say, that was supposed to be your career. So if you wanted to fix old cars, then you're supposed to be an auto mechanic. So what did you say? I never had an answer. I guess that's why I'm working at Inatech. No, you're working at Inatech because that question is bull to begin with. If everyone listened to her, there'd be no janitors because no one would clean up if they had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. Talking about millions of dollars. What would you do if you had a million dollars? I'll tell you what I'd do, man. Two chicks at the same time, man. We're living in a material world and I am a material girl. Or boy. Well, what about you now? What would you do? Besides two chicks at the same time? Well, yeah. Nothing. Nothing, huh? I would relax. I would sit on my ass all day. I would do nothing. Well, you don't need a million dollars to do nothing, man. Take a look at my cousin. He's broke. Don't do If I had a million dollars. If I had well, I hope they exactly next time. Oh, man, we're on the board. S&P futures. Everything's kind of unchanged here this morning. Uh, Dow futures down five. Nasdaq futures down 16. S&P futures down a whole 75 cents. Um, crazy stuff. I tell you what, the the biggest move. We have Brendan. Yes, I'm here. How are you, bud? Uh, I don't know if you're uh, a guy who stares at, at the uh, move of these metals, but this is the craziest thing I've I've seen in like a really long time. Silver, uh, well, the SLV contract blew through uh, 21 something. We had a 21 spread on, trying to be bullish last Thursday, right? Stock was like a 20 and a quarter or something. We put the 21 spread on because I want to be long this week. Well, the thing blows through to strike Friday morning to like 21.75 or 21.80. So we're like, okay, we're bullish. It went too far north. Now our spread, even though we still got silver underlying, we're still fine. So on the way back down, it starts coming back down. So my brother blows it out at 20 cents. We paid 13 for it. So we essentially got the high on the spread. In one day, I really wanted to keep it for the week because it was long. Well, good thing we didn't do that. Now it's trading like 1950. So it had this huge spike opening on Monday or Friday, and now here by Monday night, it's getting absolutely pummeled. Brandon, <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen anything like that in a metal. I mean, what what was the spike for Friday morning out of the blue? And then and another thing is just as the dollar keeps going up, 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 uh, these metals are just getting destroyed. I mean, it's really something. The move in the dollar is. Uh, Pretty dramatic. I mean, as these interest rates keep going up, up, up every single day. I mean, it's what, what do you what, what do you make all this? I mean, it's it's, it's nuts. Yep, I have no idea. I am worried about interest rates and where they're going up and how long they're going to stay up, because you know everything is cyclical. And I um, I, I just wonder if uh, all the interest rates are going to happen to start coming down around January or February and last through about December. Um, yeah, I. Uh, I don't know. This, this is a uh, old school stuff, but seeming like the old school stuff's coming back a little bit, Brendan. I, the when people talk about interest rates and they talk about the Fed and what we've been what we've been hearing for the last you know God knows how many years is that the Fed you know in, interest rates are are there, there are two uh, one one phenomenon. There's one rate, right? It's the short term rate we look at. In fact, it's really there's really like two rates. There's the short term rate with the Fed controls by the money supply day by day, right? And then there's the uh, long-term rate, which really has more to do with inflation in the market than the Fed. I mean, it's really hard for the Fed, unless they really go overboard like they did, but pouring money into the system. It's really hard for them to control the 30- or 10-year or, uh, uh, rate 
that's usually people's, um, usually over the decades, is in people's view of, of inflation going forward. Because the, the simple formula, of course, nobody knows anymore, is that your, your rate of interest is supposed to be the real rate of interest, the actual supply and demand for money, plus the anticipated inflation rate. So if I loan you money for three years, okay, I'm going to say, wow, it looks like our inflation's 10% a year. So you got to cover that, right? Because why, why am I going to give you money at the end of the year? You give me back less. money that's less, even though we've been doing that to people now for a real long time, and they've gotten used to it. You know, thank you, sir, I have another. Plus, there's something called the real rate of interest, which is the number that it, it's your money, and I want to use it because a lot of times people, not saying I have ideas, but people that want to build a building are not necessarily, or build a business, are not necessarily the people that have the, the capital. So that person has to pay somebody else for the use of their capital, just like you would steel, just like you would concrete. All these concepts have been, have been totally forgotten. Thank you, sir. May I have another? God, what a great... The, uh, these, all these concepts have been kind of totally forgotten, Brennan, but, but they're there. I mean, right? I mean, if you, if you go well, back... They have to be there. Yeah. Well, they haven't been for a while. Banks never give you anything for your, for your money, even though they charge other people 25% of credit cards for using it, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's... it's we're, we're kind of dropping back. And I guess what I'm saying is, even if the Fed were to pull back on the five and a half or, or whatever the hell they're at now, if they were to go back to, say, 475 or four and a half, which I think they actually might over the next 18 months, that doesn't mean if the inflation continues to percolate, which it seems to be, that your 10-year rate's going to go back down to three. It may, it may, we may have a, a four and a half short-term rate and a six and a half 10-year rate for the next decade. Because one, one really doesn't have much to do with the other, is what I'm saying. Because one is based more on inflation expectations, and the other one's based on... Now, what the Fed can do, if they go out and buy all the 10-year bonds like they were doing, they can overwhelm the whole system for a while, which they did. And what do you, what do you suppose the, uh, the, the book, for lack of a better term, the inventory of bonds looks like over in... in um, look where they are today. Over in Europe... When the Bund is now up three basis points again today to 2.94, what do you suppose the bonds that they bought at a negative interest rate, like a negative one and a half, they probably had to pay, what, 130 for those bonds because they probably had a coupon on them, right? They probably had mm-hmm. to pay 130 for those bonds. What do you think they're trading now, like 70, 60? <laughs> something like that. I, I mean, I'd, yeah, probably something like that. It's hard, it's hard to even speculate, isn't it? Is, is it it what, is. What it might be. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you what do you make of what's we don't want to be to, so Chicago centric, but I was with some of my guys last night, and all the one guy did was kept kept rattling off all this stuff from the uh, the people being bust up here. Oh God, it's a thousand dollars a day, a guy. Oh, it's putting the city <laughs> under. And I'm like, <laughs> I, is this the most convenient? It's, it's not a good thing, Brendan. Let's put it that way. Is this the most convenient thing that ever happened to the city? They can now blame everything that they've screwed up on for 20 years on these people coming in the last three months. Well, what I find interesting about this, I mean, this really is the culmination of a dilemma that's been building for quite some time. And Isn't it always? You know, it, pardon me? Isn't it always? Well, it is, but it, it's, it's really hitting home in a very uh, dramatic way right now. Because, 
you know, even for those in Chicago who believe in um, in taking care of the migrants who are coming in, are now pressed because of all the people who have not had social services in the city of Chicago for the last 20 or 30 years in underserved communities, primarily the, the black communities on the south and west side and also Latino communities. And, you know, there's always been uh, the, this thing about not servicing the, the Latino communities because they're illegals and, and taking advantage of them. But the, the black communities have been taken advantage of and not really given a lot of credit for what their needs are for, for many years. And now there's this tension between the black communities and the Hispanic communities in the city of Chicago primarily. But I also think that's reverberating around the country. And that's uh, not boding very well for a lot of folks. I mean, where, where really are the moral standards and the ethical standards of people in sanctuary cities, for example, when they're overrun? There comes a point where uh, the, real, um, the real purpose of what they stood for many months ago is being challenged. Well, when you cut away some of the wheat from the chaff, some of the people in some of the African-American communities, now I'm sure this isn't, and we speak it for everybody there, it really comes down to these people are getting money that should be ours. And I've that, heard, well, that's yeah, that's that's. Why? Why? why I guess I'm, why? I know. I know you're saying that in quotes that they're saying that the migrants are getting money that should be ours in the black community because we deserve it more. We've been here paying taxes. Uh, and, well, maybe you know, there's some legitimate maybe yeah, the tax part. All right, but, but yeah. I mean, they not they, maybe they, they pay been, taxes every day. I, well, I get yeah. I get that when, but I'm saying so is, not maybe. Well, there's a lot of people that don't work. Let's put it that Agreed. way. That's an but every even people but who don't work, Maddie's right, even people who don't work, adult. when they go to the store, they pay taxes. Right. I mean, I, I, I get it, but um, I just, uh, this, this is, you know, I, I, I don't, I, it's, it's, a, it's a pile on, if the city was, is being running, was being run properly, this would be a moment, a momentary problem, Brennan, a momentary problem. But, it, but we're, where we've got such a mess, we've got neighborhoods where people are, the people who can, that are working, like you're talking about, are leaving as fast as they can. So your tax base in those areas is shrinking like there's no tomorrow. What you're being left with is an awful lot of people who aren't working, who are, God knows what they're doing. The crime rates are to the moon. Uh, We have all these problems, and now, even if you put 50 more people in the city, it's a problem. But, I mean, I was looking here for the... uh, uh, the Chicago attracted 500,000 of the people coming up for the Great Migration. Okay, now that was over a longer period of time, obviously, but there were train loads and bus loads of people every day for like three decades. And yet you had a very vibrant community here where the schools were working. Now granted, these people had, uh, they were citizens, uh, they knew the language, it was easier. But it they also, also, in many instances, had family here. Yes, yes. Right? So they would yep. come and, and they would had a, a brother or a cousin or an uncle or someone that would get them started, give them a place to live, right. maybe give them a job. Well, when you came, as which, opposed which, to just coming here. Which, by the way, here. is the same thing that is true for the European immigrants, the Irish, the German, and the Polish, etc. That they had somebody come over and sponsor people from the family for years and years. So That's the, the issue. I mean, this is not just black and Hispanic yeah. in the current situation. I'm, I'm, I'm not... I'm not, I'm not denigrating the issue or, or, or trying to make it small. What I'm saying is if we still had the 300, 3 million people here, 
if we had the manufacturing base, if the school system was on its feet, which it isn't, this would be a problem that could be fairly easily dealt with at the level it is. Yet, it's coming at the end. It's like the COVID thing hitting when we've had years and years and years of deficits. It's, just, it's the same sort of thing. It's something that really all of a sudden made the massive problems you have that you are self-inflicted, now all of a sudden an outside problem comes in and now you really got a problem. That, that's all I'm saying. I mean, if, if, if things were normal here, when I say normal, if they actually had people, you know, if there were jobs available, all those kinds of things, I, I, it, would be a, a, it would be something to deal with, Brendan, but it wouldn't be a deal breaker, I don't think, at this level. I mean, you're talking about New York at 100,000 people. For God's sake, there's 6 million people in New York. Right? Yeah, I, I think part of it is that there is no place to house the migrants coming in on a temporary basis that's safe in sanitary conditions. And by safe, I mean that the building and the structure are safe and sanitary. And also once here, there is no way to assimilate them into the, the environment, uh, in part because many are not permitted to work. And um, I, I'm not I'm not trying to diminish the number of people who are coming across and the influx and the immediacy of that compared to something like Great Migration, where it was over a longer period of time. But I think that those are a couple of things that that are, are at play. And you mentioned the fact that when the Black Migration, the Great Migration happened, you know, people came up here with family and and they had the, the language. There was also a tremendous amount of discrimination. Uh, against black people not oh, yeah. being able to work in certain areas, oh, yeah. and it was not that fun. outweighed that outweighed a lot of the the advantages that you talked about. By mentioning that they had family here and they spoke the language, um, and you know, so so it's a much more complicated formula than than what you just laid out. Well, but it's I'm I'm not trying to make it simple. What I'm saying is our people are incompetent. They they couldn't manage one busload, let, let alone whatever. I mean. If, if you showed up at one of these police stations with a bus and said, guess what, we're going to go out and pick up paper at Marquette Park today and trim the grass, I think everybody jumps on. But we don't have any organization even to do that, Brendan. That's a fair point. And, and I think also that that's part of the purpose that they're at, looking to the federal government to allow for work permits, but also to, to, to put a job program together. However, when you look at the the labor statistics, there's still a lot of job opportunities. And, uh, you know, I, 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 I think it's, it's a lot more complicated than, than you're letting on. I also, or, but, or trying to but there was, this was always complicated. Chicago was always like, you know this, Chicago was always like this. At Pullman, before my time, every, every different, whatever you want to call it, skill set had a nationality attached to it because the people mm-hmm. there only spoke the language. The one language. Yeah. Dick, Dick Butkus' dad worked at Pullman, and he was a, and he, and he managed a six flat at night or an eight flat or something. He he only spoke Lithuanian. That's one of the reasons why he never got promoted at Pullman is he couldn't speak English very well. Mm-hmm. But all all the all the people from Sweden worked in the the plaster and and decorating and car finishing groups. All the Irish worked in I don't know where the hell they worked in the, in the, in the foundry or someplace. And all, all the women that spoke whatever you know, they spoke, they spoke. Well, I'm spoke English. Some didn't. They were. They all made wires. They, they were in the wire department. We 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 had to deal with this. It's not like the first time we've had to deal with, with language problems. 
That's all I'm saying. I mean, I, it's a huge problem, but because of the incompetence we've shown when there isn't any problem, it's, we're making it worse. Is to all my me, point. though, the problem, <coughs> it, though complex, is somewhat simple in, in the fact that, you know, what Brendan mentioned earlier is when the Europeans came, you know, in the early 1900s or whatever in waves, whether it's the Italians or the Irish or, or the Germans or whomever, you would come in and there was a plan. There was some sort of federal plan that said, okay, you got an uncle that lives in uh, Chicago. Okay, we're going to send you there. We, you got a brother-in-law or whatever, right? And, and you, you went to that part of the country. You had a sponsor. You had a sponsor and they would get you set up. We don't have any sort of federal plan. No. And we have governor of Texas or whatever that's doing this political theater thing. Well, fine. Sanctuary cities, you want these people? Great. We're going to put them on a bus. We're going to tell them, hey, you're going to the, <laughs> the land of opportunity and prosperity. Yeah. And then you go to a bus and there's no one here waiting for you. We need a federal plan that simply, you know, who do you know? Where do they live? Okay, we're going to reach out to them. We're going to put you in contact with them and we're going to send you there. And wherever that is, that's where you go and, then, and you'll have some sort of job opportunity. Why is why yeah, that isn't with, happening? I, I don't understand that because there's incompetence at every single level. I, didn't, I don't think it's yeah. incompetence. Well, I, I think it's incompetence. It's, yeah, I think it's deliberate. I think it's completely deliberate to, for political theater. And Chicago, you know, we're not handling it well either. But what are we supposed to do? You're you're sending us people that don't have any sort of family or anyone here that can get them a job that can give them a basement or, or a guest room to sleep in for a, for a couple months until they get on their feet. And so they don't know anybody. Well, that, you know, that, that program that you mentioned, though, um, you're right. You're, you were supposed to have had a sponsor, but it was, it was pretty slippery. Like, how, could anywhere go, go, how could anyone go anywhere with, in a different country, whether you speak the language or not, without knowing anybody? <laughs> like well, you don't have, everyone has gotten something because they know I, somebody well, I, I that got them somewhere. I just happened to have... They all had a guy. Exactly. Well, I just happened to know my family, uh, my <coughs> grandmother, my grandfather had already, was already dead. Some lady, she listens to the show, maybe. Some lady calls up and she says, uh, <clears throat> lady who helped me get my, my uncle's... Uh, uh, medals from World War Two. Anyway, she she had a big thing with with researching the Howe family, and the reason was her cousin or somebody came over from Ireland, some guy, and a uh, young guy, I think he was like a teenager or something, and he he puts down on his thing in New York in Ellis Island that he knows. Uh, my grandmother's name was Mary 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 Howe, puts her down as the reference. Okay, I don't think she knew the guy from Adam. <laughs> Shows up at the house, and sure enough, they got this. Well, the house that I knew after was bigger than the one they live in at the time. John Flanagan got me all these census records, by the way. Uh, Brendan, it's pretty neat. John knows how to get those. You go back and see where your family lived and how many people lived in the house back in the 30s and the 20s. Pretty interesting. Uh, My parents came to this country in 1953, so okay, <laughs> I don't so, have to go back very far. <laughs> well, you know, that, you know, they just released the 1950 census. It's a 70-year hold on the, on the, the data. What, whatever the reason is for that, I have no idea. Anyway, so my my grandmother lives with three kids and a kid who had spina bifida or something. I don't even know if she worked in this little tiny house. This guy shows up, and they put him up. You're right, man. They, but you imagine anybody putting anybody up now they didn't even know? Oh, no, that happens all the time. When I was a kid, we, we often had three-bedroom apartments. My parents had one bedroom. I had another bedroom. And the third bedroom was for people that we sponsored. For a while, we sponsored my mom's cousin and my dad's sister. We also then 
just sponsored some young guys from Ireland who were in the construction trades coming yeah. over trying to make some money to support themselves or to migrate to this country. That happened all the time. We didn't know who they were. They were told they were from County Kerry and near my dad's hometown, and so they got to ruin our place. That's wild. <laughs> I, uh, you know, there's, there's a whole different bunch of levels to this, and, I, and I, I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with you guys. I'm just, I'm just trying to dig, dig for reasons why you think the way you do. But I don't, on the world stage, Brandon. Why, why is the average person here? And I, I count myself in it. Why are we so, so dark and dumb when it comes to what's going on in the world? I mean, don't doesn't anybody think that everybody wants to get the hell out of Venezuela? It must look like the the Irish potato famine looked like kid stuff. I mean, how many? Mm-hmm. I mean, the guy. What is the population? Little Matt I looked it up last week. The population of Jordan is what six million. They've got like three million refugees. There's people all over the place dying to get out of wherever the hell they are. How, by the way, how do these people even get here from Venezuela? It's not like you can walk to Mexico. Is, are there are there boats that take some? A lot of my walking. Well, how do you? How do you? A lot of them are. You, you are can't walking walk, or, or you can't or walk through Costa trains. Rica. It's a mountainous. No way can no. There's no there's no direct road through Central America or train. I don't think. Well, when you hear some of the stories that they have been taking uh, trail routes through Costa Rica, through Central America, Whoa. through Mexico, which is why it's taken them months to get here. That's got to be brutal. That's got to be absolutely yeah, it is brutal. brutal. I mean, I, I mean, what connects Venezuela with the North America? It's it's. For God's sake, I, I didn't think there was any roads through there. Boy, well, boy. there is a connection between North and South America. There, There is the uh, the small land mass that connects in Central America. Well, I, I know you can't drive to Central Amer- to uh, South America, but I, mean, I know you can't take the train. So what is it, these dirt roads through the mountain? I mean, you tell me these people don't want a job? If I, if people have that kind of stones, i, I got to believe that they'll, take, they'll get a job. I agree. Uh, and I think that's one of the things that is so perplexing that what are the opportunities for them to get a job and what is stopping them from getting a job and part of what is stopping them from getting a job is the inability for people to be willing to give them work well Maddie, why, why do you think that this thing is so bungled I mean at all levels we, we're just we're, are we just incompetent we don't want to do it is it political theater I mean what you're right it could be handled much better at every single level why isn't it? I don't know why there is not a federal plan, because to me that's what's required here. Uh, not that they would do a great job either, but <laughs> it, it is what's required. At the state level, it's complete political theater, 100%. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't, I don't think it's Texas's responsibility to handle everything either. So I, I, I get what they're doing. You know, the, the uh, quote-unquote sanctuary cities of the last five years that beat their chest and say, well, we'll take anyone. That was political theater too. Yeah, until the first person yep. shows up. Exactly. Yeah. And then people started showing up, and they're like, "Oh crap!" So I, I'm not completely blaming the Texas side either. I see both. I see both sides of that, and it's all political theater. But now we have a real issue, and it's clear to me that uh, the Biden administration or whomever's in charge needs to come up with some sort of federal plan, and it has to be sponsor based, and it has to involve work uh, to earn your citizenship or whatever. And like, let's look back a hundred years ago at what we were doing, and, and try to get back to that with with some moderations, because uh, this is uh, getting insane. And I, I don't understand, what, you know, why we're not taking action at the federal level. I, I just, I've said this before. I'll keep it real brief. When I used to look at in the fallout shelters, 
the people who spent that money, they, there actually were 60 bunks, 100 bunks, whatever it was spending on the side of the school. What happened to all the money we spent on the Patriot Act, Brendan? We were supposed to be able to handle a dirty bomb, relocation of people, all that kind of stuff countrywide after 9-11. What happened to all mm-hmm. that dough? There, there's no place to house anybody. There's nothing. There's, what happened to the cots from the fallout shelter? Somebody buy them and, and just... I mean, I, we have no preparation for anything, and it seems like we spent like bazillions of dollars not too long ago, so this would not happen, and yet here it's happening. Well, that's that that's true, and I mean the same thing was true in COVID when we were supposed to have all these protections in place and and disaster plans for catastrophic events, and and that proved to be untrue as well. Um, and you know, I, I I do think that there. Are, there are a lot of unintended consequences of the migrant crisis right now, one of which is what Mandy said, that it is political theater. And the last couple of years when you had New York and San Francisco and Chicago bragging about being sanctuary cities, and now they're being called on it, and yet they're not prepared. So what they said then was untrue because they weren't willing and able to take the migrants that came in. And I also agree that Texas is not alone and shouldn't bear the full brunt of this. But I do think that it's it's being done in a way that's manipulative and mean and political uh, to embarrass people in New York and Chicago and other cities without uh, without diversifying where the people are going or how or at least give the cities warning well, to my, say that you know we're going to be delivering busloads of people here next week to allow for some kind of play, not just opening up the doors at Union Station and putting them out on the street. Well, if we so it, if we didn't have. 60,000 or however many people homeless already, it wouldn't be anywhere near the problem it is now. Because now there's well, no... that's there's exactly no, the point. Yeah, there's no point. That's part there's, of the unintended consequences yeah, there's no room the for them in the, of the heads. Yeah, there's no room for them in the tent cities. They're already full. Mm-hmm. As, as scary as it may seem, it's an awful thing to say, but it's it's true. I mean, if, yeah. I, mean, if, I don't know. I just... I think we could do better. I always think we can do better. And that's the biggest rub, where Manny was getting to. Like, when you go back to 100 years, where you had the sponsorship system, where you allowed people to come in and connect with folks who were their friends. Look, my parents couldn't get into this country because of the, the immigration rules. They had to go through Canada. They had to establish a residency in Canada for a year or two years before they were permitted to transfer in here from Canada, migrate from Canada, not from Ireland. But when they came here, they had the name of somebody in New York that allowed them to get into the country. And they eventually moved to Chicago. But, Brennan, um, when people get in... I'm sorry, when people get on the, I'll use the term steamship or whatever, because your group and my group came over, it was steamships, not sail, but was there a, a, a filter on the other end, or did, did Ellis Island, did the first time they know a ship was showing up, it showed up? I mean, uh, I mean, were, were, did my Italian people came over in steerage, and the Irish, I assume, did too. Did Was there was there a filter on the other end in, in, in Italy and in, in, in Ireland to put them on the bus, or, or bus, the, the uh, ship? Or whenever they got here, Ellis Island just dealt with it. Well, it was interesting because I mean, you, you've heard the, the term of without papers and the acronym for without papers, that oftentimes people were put on the boats without proper clearage of passengers. But history is replete with families who put their kids on the boats and, and, and sometimes with or without proper paperwork or names and just sent over to America. But there were manifests that had names on them, and the, and the boats were listed as to when they were coming from 
Italy or from England and, and coming across and they knew when they were landing, they knew what the manifest was and how many people were on board, which I think is a much different situation than what we have at the southern border. Oh, yeah, oh, nobody yeah. knows who's coming in or how many are coming in at any given time so you think or that, where they're coming from. You think the manifest somehow, I don't know how it got there, it was no, maybe by telegraph, the manifest was somehow known at Ellis Island before the ship showed up. I, I don't know about yeah, that. Yeah, it was. Because okay. when they checked it off, they checked their names off against the manifest. Okay. They allowed right. people in and often changed names when they got there. But still, they knew how many people were coming across the boat. And they also, remember, it wasn't like the Concord jet where it took them an hour and a half to get from England to New York. Um, it took them some time for oh, the boat yeah. to get across the Atlantic Ocean. So they, like 12 they had days? some knowledge of when it was coming and how many people were on the boat. Like 12 days? Yuck. Um, so how do we uh, how do we straighten out Venezuela, Syria, and all these places where all these people are all coming from? At Mexico, that's, <clears> that's <throat> a world that's a world problem. That is a world problem, and I don't have a good answer for that. Yeah, I don't either. Brandon, take oh, by the way, are your cars all running? Uh, we don't have the Outback yet. It's still in the shop. It's, it's still we it was, do have we do have my car back, and we're using that. We we have a loaner car from the dealer uh, in South Bend. So you put the outback out back in the in the rats ate the wires. <clears throat> well, at the time that the rats ate the wires in both cars, they were out at our driveway because our garage, our new garage, wasn't functional. Okay. Our new garage is now functional, and the door closes, so we are able to put the cars indoors and use the rat spray all around them and, and put the the rat bags in the wheel wells. Now, if you had a barn, you'd have like three or four feral cats out in the garage. Probably, yep. Oh, God. <laughs> anyway, good luck, bud. Talk to you next week. SP Futures now down 14. NASDAQ Futures down 67. Doesn't look real good. We were almost unchanged. We came in. Not anymore. Be right back with Joel and Cannon. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right Hello and welcome back to Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom Matt Weber on the board. SC Futures down on 15. NASDAQ Futures down 70. Uh, Dow Futures down 101. So we're heading south here as uh, we'll see in a second if the interest rates are going back up again. Over in uh, Euro, uh, DAX down 106. It's 0.7%. FTSE um, down 88 cents. Call that one flat. Uh, CAC around down 45.6%. So we're, we're heading south in those areas. Uh, Nikkei down uh, 521. 1.6%, 31,237. Uh, We've got the Hang Seng uh, finally open. It was closed, it was closed yesterday. It was closed for two days, I think, they in the Shanghai. Down 478, 2.7%, 17,331. 
Say goodbye to over 18,000 like it was a couple weeks ago. Uh, Shanghai, however, up three points, 31-10. Look all that unchanged. Uh, even though I set up three points. Yesterday, Dow was down 74, S&P up 34 cents, NASDAQ up 88. So we had the, the big seven were up yesterday, and virtually everything else was down, kind of an odd day. Uh, bonds, this is where the issue is, up another six basis points, 4.74. We're creeping toward five steadily, steadily. Uh, to bund up five basis points, 2.95. Those guys go over three. That'll really be something from a negative one and a half a few years ago. Japan uh, unchanged at 0.77. We've got oil down 38 cents, under 90 bucks, 88.44. So it's down pretty good the last couple days. Rent down 54 cents, 90.17. Natural gas unchanged, 284. Arbob down three cents, 238 for Arbob. With oil at 90 bucks, 238 is real cheap for Arbob. Gold. Down 650, 1840. Continues to sneak down because the dollar keeps going up. Silver down 20 cents, 2122. We're going to ask Joel about this in a second. I haven't seen a move in silver from Friday morning to here Tuesday morning like, like that in years. A copper down 1 cent, 362. Bitcoin, which had a huge rally yesterday, coming back a little bit today. Down 371, 27,495. And the U.S. dollar, actually, it's, it's pretty flat here against the, uh, the euro. Only down four basis points to 104.7, but still a long way from the 109 it was for a long, long time. British pound uh, down one percent, but 120. If that goes under 120, again, these, these are these are multi-month lows here, maybe even a multi-year lows. What do you got for us, traffic weather sports, mate? 38 minutes past the hour. Good morning to everyone out there. We have a situation on the western suburbs. Lake Street, uh, which is US 20 on the eastbound side between Route 83 and Kingery Highway, is closed due to earlier police activity this morning. Uh, so you want to avoid that area. And then uh, just northeast of there, uh, Oakton Street between Greenwood Avenue and Cumberland is closed due to a fatal crash investigation that resulted from police activity uh, where a car struck a pole and wires are down. So a couple of issues uh, overnight from police activity that have uh, significant highways closed. As far as the expressways are concerned, no accidents to report. Off to a decent start here on a Tuesday. Weather today, another beautiful day. Sunshine with a high of 81. Right now it's clear and 67 degrees downtown. For our Phoenix listeners, sunshine with a high of 89 today. Right now it's clear and 65. In sports, Monday Night Football is the Seahawks blowing out the Giants last night 24-3. And your Major League Baseball playoffs begin this afternoon. It'll be uh, Rangers versus Rays, followed by Twins hosting the Blue Jays. And then the two National League games are the night games tonight. Brewers host the Diamondbacks at 6 p.m. Central Time, followed by the uh, Phillies hosting the Marlins. Chief. Do we have Joel? Joel, you with us? Don't hear Joel. He should be there. Oh. I'm here. There you are, bud. How are you? I'm here. I was not on the mute button. How are you gentlemen doing on this Tuesday morning? We're doing good. Are you one of these guys? FTX customers who lost a fortune on the bankrupt exchange are doubling down on, cri- on crypto. No, I didn't think so. No, I don't. <laughs> I, don't I don't. I don't double down on anything except T bills. You, you double down on Michigan football. Yeah, yeah. Uh, whew, man, we. If you want to talk some sports, man, I'll tell you, we are deep. I mean, uh, Harbaugh has uh, kind of changed uh, the complexion of, I, I think, of college football, at least for Michigan. And you talked about this last year. It's just, it's more like the pros. You yeah. bring in, you bring in these players, and we are so stacked on the offense. Two of our offensive linemen. We had offensive linemen last year. He brings in one guy who was All American at, at uh, Stanford, 
and he uh, brings in another guy that was supposed to be really good at um, at Arizona State, and you know they come in, they don't pressure him, they coach him up, and you're just so deep. And J.J. Uh, McCarthy, uh, one of the most accurate college passers I've ever seen, ample running game. Uh, we got a tight end. But you know what, Chief? You know, it just in college football, you know, it's just that one loss, you know, and depends when it happens during the season. Uh, Penn State's a little bit later in the season. Ohio State, of course, is at home this year. But I don't think I've seen a more complete Michigan team um, really since uh, 1997. Yeah, I would agree. I, I, uh, I don't know if we want to go into this thing because I want to talk to you about silver and these medals in the, in the dollar. But, sure. Um, I, I wonder how many teams, and I, I brought this up, and you and, you and Maddie disagree. Uh, I think I I still think there's teams. It appears you you know, you know the schools that are embracing this new program, and then the Irish are clearly one of them. They got 25 people in grad schools, grad school guys on the team, uh, and the quarterback's a sixth year guy. Now that's going to fall out with the COVID, right? You won't get the sixth year anymore. Correct. But you'll still have a lot of five year guys around, and and you, and in my opinion, you're going to have a whole bunch of schools. They actually get high school kids, teach them for two years, and then they're going to lose them to these other schools. And I think they're going to eventually get paid for that, in my opinion. Just like just like a, a baseball team that, that has tryouts for people, and if somebody goes to the Cubs, the Cubs got to pay them for the for the contract. I mean, um, anyway, that's in the future. But I think that there's a lot of teams that are either really slow or have no intention of jumping into this fray. I mean, Russell was talking about last week that it's, it's actually a, it's a topic of conversation, Indiana. Do they, do they want to get into this essentially pro game? I, I, you can see it at Northwestern. I'm going to. I'm surprised Duke has embraced it whole hog. They got a great team. The Irish were really lucky to beat them. Um, but I don't. I don't know that you can name necessarily the schools. I, I'll bet Boston College does. I, I'll bet there's 15 schools that we, we're normally seeing at 10 years from now. Just go. We want no part of this crap. We're going to be in a in a, in a, a a conference that doesn't do that or something. Then you're then you're a dinosaur, or something, yeah. Or, yeah. or you I just, mean, yeah. Or or you yep. just say I don't, I don't want to run a pro pro program. You know, that's yeah. really what it is. Yep. Yeah. Well, Harbaugh. The thing about Harbaugh too, and we can move on to the markets if you yeah. want. Is that not only is he cultivating players, he's cultivating coaches. Oh, yeah. And um, you know, just uh, you know, these guys are getting picked. Like, there's no way, uh, you know, that we're going to be able to hang on to some of these guys. I mean, Sharon Moore right now, who's the only offensive coordinator and offensive line coach in the country. Really? All other schools uh, differentiate, those, differentiate those two roles, and uh, you know, they talk about Harbaugh and the NFL and everything. I mean. I tell you, if it's an opportunity to keep Sharon Moore, keep keep an eye on him, uh, I would like him to be the next coach of Michigan football. Now, who knows what Harbaugh's plans are? You know, we'll go through the whole NFL thing, but uh, Sharon Moore is a great coach. Uh, The guy that's coming in, uh, Ben Herbert, working with the quarterbacks, is a good coach. Jesse Minner, the defensive coordinator. So Mike Hart, the running back coach. So it, um, you know, it, it, it takes players, but it takes coaches too, and that's what Harbaugh's been able to call. I don't. I would never, if I was in Harbaugh's situation, I would never even think of going to pros. I mean, you're you're a king in a small town in a state. You're the highest paid person in the state. I mean, I, I don't. I, why would you? Why would you leave that to become Matt Eberflus or whatever? I mean, on the Bears. Uh, yeah. I mean, why would you do that? Yeah, I get abused, but. Uh, uh, 
if you want, what do you want to talk well, about? Listen, what, what about the, well, you know what? Fill listeners in, other than just listening to me, another opinion. Track track the interest rate, uh, dollar move, metals move. I think the listeners need to hear from somebody other than me how this is all connected together somehow. And if you could do that for us, because I, I think you know the answers. Uh, I, I I wish I had. I wish I. No, had I don't mean. I don't mean. I said on a daily basis. I mean, basis. it's the dollar. I yeah. mean, you know, it's you know the dollar, the king dollar is crushing everything. I mean, you know, uh, put except for oil, it's hurting the commodities markets, and uh, you know, right now, I mean, it's just higher rates, and uh, not necessarily inflation, but people are just going for yield, and unless you know, if you own some gold stocks. Yeah, maybe you're getting some yield out of that, but uh, this, you know, it says who wants gold, you know, when an A, it's going down, and B, you know, you know, rates. Uh, I don't know if you've been listening to CNBC at all, but and I, I rarely do, but I mean, uh, Rick Santali's talking about, you know, twelve and a half, thirteen, you know, percent on the on the ten year and. Boy, oh boy! If uh, if that ever comes to fruition, <laughs> the, the S and P's are going to be in triple digits. So uh, there's just it's just all about rates, and if you can get yield other places, then what do you need well, to be? Uh, Joel, do you for? think the the inflation rate? Because we're hearing rumors of this, the inflation rate in Europe is slowing, while ours isn't really. I mean, the, the Fed, there are people say it is, but most people know it isn't uh, very much. A little bit it is. Do you think that's the that's the driver here? Chief, I, I I don't know what that. I I think that this market is so overblowing that you know the rate thing and the, the inflation thing. I can't really talk about Europe, but I mean the statistics that we see, you know, it has come down substantially. Um, I don't think the Fed has really changed their stance at all. I mean, I think this uh, since Powell was on a couple of weeks ago, I I think I think the market's just having a taper tantrum and. Uh, you know, it's hard to step in front of it and say, you know, this is, you know, what, you know, what's going to happen. But I just see them holding, I mean, maybe another quarter point or whatever, but you still got to let the, what the rates did, that rapid rise of rates work through its way through the economic system before you start ratcheting things up more. So I think it's a, a huge overreaction. Um, and, uh, you know, <laughs> you know, price don't lie. And there's a lot of, lot of pressure on the bonds, a lot of pressure on the S&Ps. And uh, the, the weirdest day, I heard you mention it, the weirdest thing yesterday was where the mega cap tech was. Yeah. Uh, you know, so that, that that's usually a sign of rotation in, uh, you know, a little bit of risk on. But we'll see. I'll just, I'll, I'll, just, I'll, I'll end and I'll say, hey, man, last week's low. And, you know, it is a big number. Uh, we hit that last Wednesday. We've had a couple hundred-point rebounds off it. If that goes, then uh, it's going to be a long October. And got earnings season coming yep. up, Chiefs. So time to talk some real fundamentals, see if the consumer is falling off a cliff. Joel, take care of yourself, bud. SP Futures okay. down 19 now. NASA Futures blue. down 80. Real quick break. It'll have Mr. Kenny Polkary. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. 
Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage health care costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation and human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Stocks, jocks, Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Stacks and Jacks. Tom Howell, Matt Weber on the board. Nasdaq futures down 20. Nasdaq futures, I mean, SP futures down 20. Nasdaq futures down 84. Matt, if you don't tell me where that song came from, I'll be thinking about it all day. Chicago. That's right. Yeah. That's, uh, <laughs> yeah I've got a bazillion albums in my place, not that many, but I, I can't I know. I remember the songs. Kenny, I can't remember the authors anymore or the people played. <laughs> I have to check them out. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Doing all right. I'm just reading a. I'm reading about you, about you right here. It says here in a new documentary premiering Monday, FTX customers. One guy here lost $2 million, said it wasn't even an anchor on his new yacht. He's continuing to invest in crypto. Is that you? <laughs> no, it's not me. I'd like to know where you get these stories from. No, it's not me. Well, evidently there is some documentary coming out on the uh, FTX thing. Uh, this week, oh, I'm sure there is. Yeah, which should I'm be sure. interesting. And uh, getting, you know, the the now with the trial starting to be underway, and I I hear that you know he's using the defense that he didn't realize what he was doing was wrong. I mean, it's it's comical what's going on there. Um, yeah, I don't know. I you know, <clears throat> I, I I've kind of tried to think my way through that whole mess, Kenny, and 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 think my way through other people that have managed to collapse along the way after having some. Some actually serious brilliance to start out. I mean, this guy's uh, um, what he what he did. I, you know, I, I don't know that much about the cryptocurrency, but he essentially found a way. And correct me if I'm wrong here. The Bitcoin. Well, I don't know about the rest of them. Bitcoin was what well, was normally higher in Asia than it was in Europe, or something along yep. those lines. And he he found a way. I don't know how he found the clearing mechanism. But he found a way to clear them on the same day, because he so he could simultaneously buy and sell, and he was making like almost a million dollars a day at some point, I mean legitimately. And you know, you could have yeah. done that, I could have done that. We didn't. I mean, it's not like the kid didn't have some talent, or he had some people around him that did. And all of a sudden, it, it kind of morphs into this big, huge mess where they're doing all this other stuff and not paying attention where the money is, and who knows how much dope or booze they're doing during the day, not counting the stuff up right. And all of a sudden, the thing's a big collapse. But, boy, it sure didn't have to be, did it? No. I mean, no. I, I mean Michael Milken was the same way. The guy was a genius. And all of a sudden, yeah. he got involved in the, you know, there, there's, you know, other stuff. And whether he did or whether he didn't, although there's a big... Actually, uh, one of these days, maybe, uh, Maddie or somebody... Who's the guy who wrote the book, recent book, and Milken saying the guy was innocent all along. It was a total trumped-up deal. That, I, if I get that guy on, Kenny, I'd love to have you on with me. That, wrote that, right, that would be pretty interesting, wouldn't it? Saying that the big yeah. firms just couldn't wait to put the guy in jail because he stole business from him. Anyway, yeah. so what, what do you make of this? Do you, do you have a 
his dollar move is spectacular. I don't know if you trade silver at all. Do you you believe the massive uh, opening to the upside on Friday only to fall precipitously since that opening? I I don't think I've ever seen anything like that. In in, in what? Silver silver or gold? Silver silver was worse, but gold too. Yeah, gold too. Uh, Listen, I'm not surprised at the speed at which the dollar's moving higher. I mean, look at what's happening to treasuries, right? Treasury surge. The 10-year was up 11 basis points alone yesterday. Yeah. Right? Up another five basis points this morning. It's we're going to be at five percent before the end of the week if this continues to go at the pace it's going. And the problem is that it's moving so fast that the markets don't have time to really digest it. So what happens? They go into you know it goes into kind of panic sell mode, uh, which is you know utilities and energy. Yes, they got absolutely crushed when you know utilities the most boring sector out there. Yet you saw four, five, seven, fifteen percent move. In some of those utility names, now the ones that moved really bigger got downgrades from Bank of America and Goldman Sachs. I get it, but um, but overall, you had utility names down four to five percent. That you know is really unseen, unheard of, right? That utilities should move that much in a single day like that. But the, the whole the whole sector is down eleven percent in six trading days as well. I think it's I think it's what that's telling you is that. You know, it expects rates to go higher. They don't think the Fed is done. And I think it thinks that inflation is going to be much stickier and stick and stand around longer than what they tell us. And so I think the market needs to reprice. Okay. I don't think it's going to fall out of bed. But look, the idea of stocks trading at 19.8 times 2023 earnings in a rising rate environment where inflation remains sticky never made any sense to me. Logical to begin with. So now the market just has to reprice. The question is, where does it reprice to? Does it go back to the 17 times historical average? Because if it does, we're going back to 37. Yeah, we're, we're going to go down. Which I'm not suggesting we are, right? Um, well, I'm not so sure about that. If we, I don't, uh, the, the, the identity you just talked about, if the rates keep going up, stocks are going to go down. I mean, I don't know how you... Yeah. Yeah, well, I agree. And i got to be honest with you, what I'm really shocked at is that the three best-performing sectors, tech, communications, and uh, discretionary, that are all up better than 30% on the year, were the only three sectors that were actually higher yesterday. Yeah. Everything else got, everything else came under pressure, which is illogical to me because if anyone's going to take money out, they're going to take money out of lock and profits. They're going to take it out of where, where – there are profits. All the other sectors are lower on the year. So it does, that, that does not make sense to me. Well, if it matches up, which is going to go which way? That's the issue. Right. Do you think uh, we actually, believe it or not, we have some listeners from uh, UK, uh, and I actually heard from one of them uh, a couple weeks ago. And uh, actually, too, we have a guy and a lady that write me once in a while. And they both said that the inflation has really cooled off there from the from the like here, they tell us it's cooled off, but you and I know yeah. maybe it's still working its way through. I mean, yeah. certainly in utility bills and those kinds of things, it's still working its way through in a lot of areas. And you know, and some of the stuff hasn't come down, cars or whatever. Uh, do you think that they're they have been more effective at fighting it? So now, the ten year rate actually will just be higher here longer than it is there, which was which causes the dollar to move vis a vis the pound, right? right? That's right. That's right. And if the dollar keeps moving higher, you're going to get pressure on commodities. And I think that's what uh, I think that's what you're seeing certainly in gold. Right? Gold kind of fell yeah. out of bed at 
know where to stop just because as the dollar keeps moving higher, there's that inverse relationship amongst commodities and, and the dollar, right? Rising dollar puts pressure on commodities. Um, the only one that the only one that's not super reacting to that is oil, because oil's got other factors that are surrounding it. It's got production, you know, cuts in production by the Saudis and and uh, and the Russians. And by the way, there's just tremendous demand for energy, for fossil fuels, and it's only expected to grow, right? The more they talk about wanting to cancel it and kill it and all that stuff, the higher it goes. It's like Trump. Every time they indict him, his poll numbers go up. Every time the left talks about, you know, fossil fuels and they, we have to stop, that price goes higher. Well, you know, there's the weird part about, I don't want to talk any politics here, but for a, just for a second, there, there are people who, the more uh, people go after Trump, there's a there's a view that he's being totally picked on, right? Which I think to a certain extent, um, the way we have prosecutorial discretion in this country, maybe he is. Some people think, literally, some people that I know real well, think that because he's being picked on, he deserves to be president again. And I'm like, it, there's no connection there <laughs> in my no, mind. I- <laughs> there's no connection there in my mind. If he's being picked on, and I, no, and, I, and I agree with you. I don't think that. God, we were coming in and out. No, I said. I said. I don't think that's a reason either to reelect just because you're getting picked on. Uh, but, 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 he's getting picked on, and it's igniting his base because now the base is just getting angrier and angrier and angrier. That, and so that's why I think you see. It. But in the end, and we won't. You know, we don't have to keep talking politics. In the end, though, I I think there's going to be a dark horse that appears. That's going to because uh, I don't think Trump is, is going to end up being the candidate, but nor do I think Biden is either. So I think it's going to be. I think we're in for a very interesting twenty twenty four. Yeah, I, I do too. I can't. Let's hope not. I mean, we, three hundred thirty million people. Okay, my mom was was appalled that the that it was uh, Bush and uh, Kerry, two guys that were yeah. were C students that laid naked in a, in a coffin looking up at dead animals. She goes, "We got to do better than that." Imagine if yeah. she saw. Imagine if she saw these two guys. Oh my god. <laughs> By the way, were you skull and bones? <laughs> no, I was not skull and bones. <laughs> I, mean, I, mean, I don't think I could do the naked in the coffin thing. I don't know. Yeah. I'd, I'd, be, I'd be out on So what's your, if, if, you know, we both talked about stuff kind of going in different directions. Yeah. What's the matchup? Are we going to get a fix here? Rates maybe come down a little bit, maybe the Fed turns a hair, which I was just say, saying earlier, doesn't necessarily move the 10-year. As much as I you know. don't think how the Fed can can even pause is probably the best that they could do. I don't see a cut at all. Um, if anything, I could see them maybe convincing everyone that you know they've done enough and they're going to pause and they're just going to let it. They're going to let it play out for a couple of more months. I think that's the best they can do. I don't even see. I don't even see a cut into. 2024. Now I know it was originally May. He pushed it back till the fall. I'm not even sure that that the fall is right. If we start to see inflation where it's ugly head again next week when we get the CPI and PPI, which is what I think we're going to get. And I think it's going to be, you know, a, a, we're going to revisit 1979-1980 with a Fed pause too early. They, they told everyone they were control and they completely lost control and Volcker sent us into a two-year, very difficult, ugly recession. Yeah, I don't think uh, in retrospect, the man is considered a god. I've gone back and gone over all those months, Kenny. I think yeah. he, I think he 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 was a, a what is this term? He was he was a a fool, not that he was a fool. He was he was not a fool. He was a fool in that he didn't realize how lagging and how 
how inept the CPI numbers were, which is the same thing these guys did. Right. They didn't recognize it early on, and now they're, they're gonna, it's going to be Volcker thought there was inflation six months after there wasn't any. It just was a runoff. Of, of but, well, but listen, don't forget, he, you know, they, they, he ignored it when it was first yeah. picking up. It went through 2%, which was, his, which was the warning flag. That's when he said he was going to start to raise rates when it went up through 2 Well, it went from, from 1.6 to 3.1 in one month. And but he it, told everybody, oh, no, 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 it's not, not that it works, it's only transitory, and he let it go. He let it go for six more months, which we know, because he needed to save his job in January, and by then, it was already it was already poking 9%. Ridiculous what they did. But by the time it got to two by his numbers, it was probably already eight. Right, right. Yeah. I but I mean, but you, and but, I, you and I know that. It happened before. Those numbers, right. even if they're straight, they're lagging. Right, but you know maybe there's also a method to this madness. Maybe that maybe they want inflation because they can inflate their way out of this debt issue, right? If they if they have if they keep inflation high, so we'll see. Why, why do you think? Last last question. I'll give you a really zinger here. Why do you think the American public, the world is, is pissed off? They're trying to get another dollar for God's sake. Why do you think the yeah. American public is happy with their buying power being down forty percent in three years? And. Uh, who- who said the American public is happy about it? Well, they're they're, they're not they're not out there with pitchforks. Well, <laughs> they might be pretty soon. Well, I think the yeah. American public is very very frustrated now. They're starting to get angry. I I, I agree with you, but uh, how's Florida cooling down? Cooling off down there? Florida's cooling. Yeah, Florida's. We're already in October, so the, here's where we're going to get six months of absolutely beautiful weather. Plus, so, you uh, yeah. you dodge the hurricane bullet. Well, you know, we, we do. I mean, there is the month of October is still hurricane season, you know, uh, officially. But uh, yeah, I keep my fingers crossed that we dodge the bullet. Are you guys uh, seeing uh, insurance cancellations in your hood? I, I'm, that's all I'm hearing up here from people who live down there. Cancellations about what? Uh, the people who are closer to the water can't get it. That kind of thing. Oh, insurance stuff. You uh, mean? Yeah. No, no, I haven't heard that. I will say the price has gone up, right? I live in a condo development, but you know we we got we got a big uh, jump in the in the HOA fees because of because of the insurance. But I haven't heard anyone who's not able to get it. It's just a matter of you want to pay the price, right? If you live right in the water. Well, Audrey's got a uh, a friend who's trying to sell her place. It's it's in I don't know. It's in some name of a place where the, the place is so big it's become a town. One of those kind of places. And, yeah, and it goes all the way from the water inland with the golf courses and all that stuff. Yeah, what do you yeah. think developments and evidently the people with a black of the water have been told they're out on insurance. Really? Yeah. I don't know well, if that's I, gonna hold or I whatever, but I can't imagine how the governor, you know, DeSantis would something's gotta be done. You can't have people, you know, on the water not able to get insurance. You just can't. Is, is it yeah. I, I shouldn't be going down this road because we're a little over, but uh is is that somewhat akin to flood insurance? Is the is the stuff near the water in a in a, in a hurricane area? Is there such a thing as a hurricane area is the same as a flood area here in Illinois, or no? Uh, well, I don't know because I, I, I think it's got to be worse, right? And just because we tend to get hit with hurricanes more than just floods, right? But um, since I don't have, I don't, I have a condo, so I'm part of the big condo package, right? Okay. The big condo. But if I had an individual home, it might be different. I, because here, there's flood areas that have flooded that, three but, times in the last um, fifty years. Yeah, that kind right of thing. Water. I'm on, here they have yeah, they have flood I'm area. The coastal, yeah. I'm open ocean, so okay. know, I'm, I'm back a little bit. All right, bud. Well, thank you very much. So I'll get you next week. SP Futures Talk down to. 22 now, and SP Futures down 94. This is a big drop since we got in here. Be right back, Stocks and Jacks. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? 
Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website. Jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here. Right now. Right here. Right now. Right now. There's something happening here. Well, North Bay Stacks and Jacks. I'm tomorrow. Matt Weber on the board. SP Futures not on 23. NASDAQ Futures on 95. This is all kind of sudden. Uh, we have the uh, bonds down again today, which means the rates are up. So um, we'll see where the well. I guess we'll, I'll give you where the ten year is right now. We'll, uh, it's, it's pushing five, uh, which is which is an issue. Uh, uh, professor, how is it that you and I for years have been talking about how the numbers didn't really match the fun, fundamentals and these interest rates and inflation numbers and everything, and all of a sudden every day like they're racing almost to where we thought they should have been all along. Why all of a sudden? What's going on here? We, I mean, we, it wasn't like people started listening to us, I don't think. Well, I think what happens is uh, when you hold interest rates really low for a long period of time, it produces all kinds of malinvestments. It produces a bunch of overconsumption. And overconsumption ends up being pollution, right? Not all of it, but when you buy something in the store, like a plastic doll, it ends up in a landfill one day. So low interest rates induce overconsumption, which leads to... In- increased pollution and, and it results in malinvestment. And one example is we we work. They're having trouble paying their new mortgage, their, their, their new interest rate, right? The new, new interest payments. So when you hold interest rates really low for too long, way below market values, um, all the projects that would have been eliminated, all, all the, the projects that investors were hoping to invest in, all those projects that had low expected returns, they get funded. Right, they get funded in a market system. They wouldn't have been funded, 
But when the Fed, a central planner that it is, lowers those rates, those projects get funded and we don't discover them really until the Fed starts to raise interest rates back up to where they should be. And then all of a sudden people find themselves underwater in credit card debt. They find themselves underwater in terms of their uh, capital debt for their investments. And WeWork is a great example of that. How much, um, if, if you could possibly put a finger on it, you'd have to have uh, one of your schools, you'd have to get four or five of your peeps to work on this kind of thing. What, what if somebody were to write a, a Ph.D. paper on, uh, on the, the economic, I'll say, the discontinuities created when some firms can actually, because Carl's always talking about this, some firms actually being able to borrow at less than the inflation rate and what, and what it does to some fixed asset prices and things and how it puts some people out of business. If Amazon can borrow at 2.5% and the, the local guy's paying 8 or even worse if he's on his credit card, how you you can't compete money wise, and I just uh, I wonder, you know, and, and Maddie knows more about this than me, but and some of these, even though they are, you know, self-styled, uh, well, the only one that isn't is they're, they're self-styled monopoly. I mean, Major League Baseball has one. You wonder in in danger of the the six billion dollar price for, for a professional team, if that is if that's even foresee even thinkable this week versus eight weeks ago. Uh, when you start getting 5% 10-year rates, I don't see how the hell you pay $6 billion for a team. You're talking about $300 million a year in interest, for God's sake. Uh, yet it doesn't seem to be causing any kind of issue yet. Is that one of those things where it doesn't cause an issue and all of a sudden one day it, it causes an issue and the next guy only gets $4 billion instead of 6 or something? And, I mean, when, when is it going to start to play out in prices that we see? It hasn't... It, we had Audrey on yesterday in the narrow housing markets in some of these areas where people can't leave in the middle uh, and there's not a whole lot of new houses on the market. The houses have really hung in there way more than you would expect with mortgage rate doubling. Does that mean that they're going to hang in there or it means that one of these days we're going to see a precipitous collapse instead of a gradual collapse? I mean, I wish I knew. I don't know. Well, I think supply is lower than it would be otherwise because people are just staying in their houses. They're not offering them, uh, offering them up for sale. Right. Also, I think, you know, builders may be slowing a bit. So I think supply is much lower than it would be otherwise. And then demand. I mean, if people um, in this inflation environment, if young people can't get out of mom and dad's basement because things are just too expensive and the mortgage rate is too high, and the current the current wanters, the people who want to supply their house on the market can't, well, then they can't also demand it. So demand is... Demand is uh, lower than it would otherwise be, too. So you have a situation where I always tell students, uh, what happens when demand shrinks and supply shrinks? Well, we know quantity uh, shrinks. The price, it depends. It depends on how it much depends. demand relative supply. I think we're in a situation where they're both kind of uh, decreasing at the same levels. So you're seeing prices stand relatively constant. Yeah, I just wonder if uh, if the rates keep going up and this keeps happening. I don't know if we can still be pulling that off two years from now. Well, I think rates are going to go up. I really think rates are going up. I, I don't see them coming down. We got huge math, massive deficits. We got they're approaching one trillion. You know, before we'd have you know, eventually we're going to have trillion dollar deficits. 
You're uh, coming in real low here. Oh, sorry. Let me change my mic. The, uh, Matty, I don't know if you know that uh, Greg actually timed the uh, uh, U.S. debt clock, and he was, he was, we were blowing through a million dollars every 43 seconds. Yikes. Yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's a real number. Well, you know, it's going to get worse. I mean, if you remember in the financial crisis, the, the, the number of houses, the number of houses that uh, were defaulting was kind of a small percentage relative to the entire set of mortgages, right? And that caused the financial collapse. But what was happening with the, the interest rates being low and now being high is great for a thing like Amazon, but it's, it's not for, you know, Silicon Valley Bank, right? It's also not good for uh, JP Morgan or Chase. What's going on there? They have mortgages at 3% and they're having to pay I mean, the, the people want 4% savings rates, 5% savings rates. But how, much, how many mortgages do they have? I thought they all, the great majority of them, according to Nancy, all end up at Fannie and Freddie. Okay, well then Fannie and Freddie, Fannie and Freddie has all these mortgages at 3%, right? I don't think that's uh, sustainable. But don't they match so, up, in theory, don't they match up those mortgages with bonds that they sell at the same time, they pick up the mortgages. They should, they should be sort of flat there, shouldn't they? Well, isn't Fannie and Freddie just uh, secure, securitizing the mortgage? Don't the banks still own them? Uh, but they're secured. I think they're secured they're, by they're, Fannie and Freddie. They're, 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 the banks don't have them on their books anymore. They just manage them. Okay. It's it's a re- it's really kind of a complicated. Well, that's what you want. You want the management deal. Yeah. I mean, those are the guys that uh, some of the people that I. Well, whoever owns those mortgages, if they're a bank that has to pay a passbook savings rate, um, they're kind of underwater. Yeah, right? they, they don't they don't hold them like a uh, a savings yeah. and loan used to. That's that's what causes savings and loans to collapse. But the banks they have them. Uh, I think I think they can't sell them for six months. There's some on Monday we'll have Nancy. She goes. She can walk through this from, from top to bottom, and because mm-hmm. that's that's our business and. Uh, because you, know, you, you can't refinance one within six months. I think because yeah. uh, you have to. I think Maddie, what did she say the one day she was on? Uh, you have to. People have to make their first th- two, three, four payments before they can sell it or something. Before it's good, if, if it, otherwise the person who does it, the person who actually gives out the mortgage, has to take it back because it has to be performing before you can sell it. Isn't that what she said, Maddie? Something like that. Um, I I have no idea. I didn't hear it. Oh, that's right. You're not, you weren't here on the Monday. Uh, so something along those lines. I'll I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll for sure ask on Monday because it's it's more complicated than you think. Yeah. Um, well, those mortgages that were issued at two and three percent are underwater now. They, they are if unless the person who did them did the job right and matched up the the borrowing for the mortgages at at the at the same rate. Yeah. In other words, if Fannie and Freddie went out well, and, and, and did a 30-year yeah, bond at, at the 2, 2.5% rate, the same time they bought the mortgage at 3%, they should be okay. Well, if uh, they issued a bunch of uh, – if Fannie and Freddie issued a bunch of one- and two-year treasuries. Well, well then now you got a problem. Well, or yeah, yeah, bonds, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah now you got a problem. If they didn't match the maturities, then there's an issue at Freddie, Freddie and Fannie, which is going to require a big bailout. Oh, God, yeah. Um, so I, it, this problem could be even worse, right? There was there was a time when individual people, uh, and I, maybe you still can. I don't know my... think about how reckless, Tom. Think about how reckless that system is. You make a bunch of mortgages. You know interest rates are all time lows. 
you make you originate a bunch of mortgages and then a few months later you can sell them to some government agency some pseudo private de facto government agency they can issue a bunch of bonds and if they issue a bunch of one year treasury bond or one year bonds man the whole system's upside down yeah but you if get, interest rates go up you, you, let's you know, let's just say somebody who purchases a, a bond at some real low number like three percent if that guy's foolish enough to try and finance that through a one-year deal, uh, you don't want him in your class getting anything over an F, well, I hope. Silicon, but Silicon Valley Bank, which is supposed to be uh, disciplined by the market, did just that. And the other banks that were in trouble last well, they, well, they were they were different because they, they, yeah. they, they did the jumbos on the people that were giving them the business. Yeah. That's, that's, yeah. that's sort of a different was sort of yeah. a different game. I think what they did... And, is, and, and, and I think they were doing what government wanted them to do, right? Well... They're kind of like, yeah, they're kind of doing what government wanted them to do. So I wouldn't be surprised if Betty and Franny did that. I'm, I'm kind of curious, Hal, and I, maybe I'll pick your brain a little bit. I'm not even sure what what the banking world does anymore. I mean, uh, to, I mean uh, that sounds really awful. but uh, I think they're just arbitrage traders. They're, they're yeah. just engaged in arbitrage trades. Right? But, I mean, I That's think it. what Silicon Valley thing is, you know, Maddie Weber and his bro get some business, and all of a sudden they really want that business, and somehow they're – their arm that went out and got money for him, got money for for Maddie and his bro, and he got fifteen hot dog stands and all this stuff's going on. And they were so part of the thing that when Maddie and his bro decided to go get a four million dollar house, they gave him the jumbo on the house. I think they got so involved with such a small number of people that that's what kind of screwed them up. But I, I don't see. Yeah. Well, I think I think polit- political considerations. Yeah. Oh yeah. Also, they did. Plus they had to. They were going to invest in certain in, in in certain kind of projects because they weren't politically popular. They were. They had overseas money going. But I'm saying, I, when I was uh, young, there, there was a place, uh, First National Bank, Evergreen Park, and, and since got bought a couple times, and now this gorgeous building with this massive vault downstairs has been leveled. What the hell do you do with some huge vault? I mean, you, you went over to bulldozer and. and Pick the thing out. I mean, what if people don't come back for their safety deposit? By you just kick it all to the state. I don't even want to know where that goes. But yeah, if you walked in that place, though, Hal and Maddie, it was a thriving community. There were people. If you wanted to borrow money for a car, there were people there to talk to you right away. If you wanted to borrow money for a mortgage, they did some of that. Even though the savings and loans did more, they did. They did. They finance all the businesses and stores in the neighborhood. Uh, if you walked in there, they they financed. They gave me. Ten grand for my uh, my remodeling business, and I paid them right back. And you know they, they were happy to give me more next time. I mean they, they yeah. I don't think they I don't think these banks do anything like that anymore. They might have. I some, don't think they do either. I mean it's. I think the banks the banks that are doing that they're going to get crushed. Well, I mean, I it, but that's what a, that's what a bank is supposed to do in our community. Yeah, isn't I know. Yeah. But yeah. I, mean, I mean, if you want, I, to, I think the banks that are doing that are going to get crushed. They're going to get they're going to be get flat out crushed in this thing when well, the, when the. Uh, it hits. When well, it depends hits on and depends on how frugal you are, how good your people are. I mean, if you if you're loaning money to a, to a guy with a plumbing company, it's been there sixty years. I, I don't know that that you're, you're. Why would you get crushed? I mean, if, well, you know, if if you're, I mean, the banking system is set up for bankruptcy, right? Because you make these loans, you make a twenty year loan to some guy. Well, I don't know, and I mean, you borrow that out of out of savings and checking, right? No, but most part. of those most of those loans are. I'm not talking about mortgages. I'm yeah. talking about if if you're if you're a builder, like there's this project going up by August. Yeah, yeah operating you know. loans are what you one year long. Maybe. Well, they they're, they're until you get paid by the other guy. If you yeah. somebody has to go out and buy all the wire to wire all the houses, mm-hmm. then when you sell the houses, 
you know, everybody gets paid for the materials they put in. So somebody floats that, but as long as the, the, the whole yeah, those, thing... Yeah, those kinds of loans are much better, but the ones that are like 10 years in the future or but five years in the future... Also, they're also a real lot of work. They're a lot of work, yeah. you know. I mean, somebody yeah. has to... I mean, you have to have people there doing it. I mean, it's, it's much easier to just say, here's your credit card, knock yourself out for 20%. Yeah. I mean, those other kind of loans are work. You know, I mean, I went over to Lakeside, and I know all the people there, and uh, they're a great group. And uh, you know those guys... Just as a little, what do they what do they speak, Manny? Twenty dialects. They have people that speak twenty dialects of all the Asian, Polish, every kind of language, and they have these 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 uh, brick and mortar places in all these neighborhoods, and they do terrific. <laughs> they speak everybody. Anyway, so I said, uh, Fanny's our girl, and I go, uh, uh, our, our girl, the lady who's our our personal banker, and uh, and I said, Fanny, you guys, uh, do you guys even do auto loans? And she goes. If you bought a car, we'd be happy to do it. But no, we don't. We don't have like an auto loan guy anymore. I'm like, really? <laughs> How could you not do that? Whatever, we buying cars for fifty grand and stuff. I mean, isn't that what that would seem to me to be pretty good business? But I guess I, I'm so behind the times. You know, so hell, hell, work us through. I can't. I can't. I can't imagine being a banker and doing a car loan today with, you know, the average price being like what fifty thousand dollars. I can't even imagine that. Oh, somebody. Oh, we we got a we got a client, uh, PTI. Uh, he's been all over the electronic trucks, you know. You know, well, you know, Maddie's got some dough. Maybe he'll want to take the guy up on this. He just, he just got a Rivian. Aren't you? Don't you have to wait in line for the Rivians, Maddie, or something? The electric pickup trucks. I think so. Well, I saw one last week. They look pretty nice. So the guy's got one. He says, uh, "For eighty grand, I can have it." <laughs> I'm like, "No thanks." <laughs> I bet he give you the same deal, Betty. Eighty G if you want to pony up. <laughs> That's a real number for an electronic for electric pickup truck. Uh, they look well, pretty sharp. Here's the, here, here's the thing that makes me think we're getting uh, wool pulled over our eyes. There's a, this big, massive Tesla supercharging station uh, in California. In California. And it looks awesome, right? You got these. It can charge, like, what, 45 cars. They're all lined up getting charged. It's kind of like a, a place where electric vehicle people will make a, a pilgrimage to and plug their vehicles into, what I, from what I can tell. Uh, but the problem with it is it's got a diesel generator hidden behind a different gas station. <laughs> this is in California, man. This is in... But it's got the solar panel roofs that you put park your car under. Well, did you, uh, uh, were you, were you a uh, Star Trek aficionado? Oh, yeah, I love Star Trek. You know, in the Navy, I watched it all the time because it kind of felt like the uh, the galactic version of the Navy. So I enjoyed Star Trek. Well, you remember the, the Borg, how they used to go plug themselves in during at the end of the day? The, you know, bodies I, don't, I don't remember that. Particular, was that one of the near the near the end, or was, it was that the Borg was they, they were going to wreck the whole world, and they ended up uh, yeah, and they kidnapped Picard and everything. But they all they did was assimilate whole societies. They took people. Oh, and, you're talking about Picard's Star Trek? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I liked uh, Captain Kirk's Star Trek. The re, the reruns when I was a kid. Oh yeah, well they uh, well, I watched them when I was a kid. So that was that. But yeah. uh, no, but the, <laughs> but the, the Borg the Borg was going to take over the whole universe. They wanted to assimilate everything, everybody. So oh, yeah, they, they, uh, yeah I never of, watched the Picard version. Well, you're we, we all part of the collective. So when you yeah. talked about the 45 cars plugged into the thing, at the end of the day, all these guys would plug themselves in in the, in the ship, and yeah. they'd all be part of every all the all the the, the people would plug themselves in because they were all part of the collective. So everybody's plugging part of the their matrix. Car. Yeah, part of the matrix, and I, you <laughs> know, I I still I still don't. I mean, I, there's no doubt. I think if you put some. Uh, Solar panels up, or had a little windmill. If you had a farm and you had three vehicles and you charged one of them up, and it's the one you'd gone back and forth to town or whatever, it's probably a really good idea. 
I'm not so convinced yeah. that uh, having a, a, a gas, uh, you know, a gas, natural gas plant, 50 miles from your place or 150 miles, and and putting the stuff over the wires to get here, rather than just burning it yourself in a new car, I still think you're probably better off doing that. Yeah, there's all kinds of yeah. there's all there's all kinds of voltage losses. Yeah. When you're transmitting electricity, right, on traditional transmission lines, how, all how, kinds. Of how much better? Losses. How much better are the new lines? They're supposed to be a lot better. Well, how much those cost? Those, well, what does it cost per mile? You know, I could ask my uh, I could ask my uh, Navy buddy uh, Hank. He's uh, he works for Philadelphia or what is it, Pennsylvania Power and Glass or something. Yeah, he's yeah. He's one of the guys that runs the uh, station at night. That I'm not sure what exactly what he does, but I think they're running like switching stations and monitoring stations. I could ask him about it. Because I think there's a, there's but a I, yeah because when you, when you when you talk about. One of these days, I'll, I'll get some man who's an expert on this, and we'll find somebody. But I mean, one of the issues with a lot of the renewable energies is the grid itself. Yeah. I mean, one of the issues. It's it's one of a hundred of the issues, or, or the grid itself. And are the are the wires like there's a there's a massive where is it? Maybe South Dakota, North Dakota. There's a massive wind farm out there, right? They got nothing but power, and they're trying to get it to to the you know the the same grid. I mean, if you can get it as far as I, I could be wrong on this, but many would be get as far as Wisconsin, then the Wisconsin grid plugs into the Illinois grid, and as long as you you know you plug it into the furthest western part, it's almost as good as plugging it in here. So if you if you need power from Chicago, you can tap it from the eastern. Anyway, this is this is really complicated, more way above my pay grade. But the idea of getting these high, you know, high velocity, whatever you want to call it, wires, is a big investment. Now the question is, who pays for it? Because Commonwealth yeah. Edison's saying, we don't want your stinking cheap energy anyway. We got our own. Why the hell do we want yours? So the last thing Commonwealth Edison wants to do is pay for the high-speed wires from, say, South Dakota to Wisconsin, if that's the spot, or Minnesota or someplace. So it's all about, okay, same way with uh, the wind farm in Indiana. If you drive down to Indianapolis, which uh, Russell does you know, twice a week, um, there's this huge wind farm in the middle of Indiana. You know, what the hell is this thing doing here? But even on a fairly windy day, you see half of them that aren't turning. So I ran to my buddy, uh, uh, Colleen's husband. What's his name, Eddie? Colleen's husband? Uh, no uh, idea, Chief. Bobby. And he, he's a high-wire guy, and he does all that stuff. And if there's a hurricane, he goes down there. And I said, Bobby, why are these things not all turning on a windy day? He goes, the grid can't accept them. Because it was it a nice day? I go, yeah. Right. The air conditioner's not on. The heat's not on. The, the grid doesn't need it. They shut those off, and you got to keep the gas plants going or something. It's all it's all because it's all this huge choreography of who can accept what where. You said if it was a really hot day, all of a sudden they'd be they'd be working because you'd need them because of the air conditioner. Yeah. So he says yeah. he, he, they turn off the windmills half the time when it's windy. Well, and there's that, some interesting solutions to that. You can. Uh, there's an island uh, just off of Spain, and they use, uh, I think the wind picks up during the day, and they use the wind to generate uh, uh, electricity for a pump, and they pump water up the mountain of this island into a big reservoir. And at night, the wind dies off. So what they do at night is they run the water, I think, downstream. They run it yeah. at night to power. So it's kind of like it's called a natural battery. So when wind power is really, really, when, when, when it's windy, you're pumping, you're using the energy that you would otherwise not need, and you'd have to turn off that windmill. Use the, the, the power from those windmills that are turned on 
to pump water up a steep mountain to fill a reservoir. And then, um, and then you can use that reservoir um, water when demand is too high for the windmills. There's a there's a spot here in Illinois. There's a spot here in Illinois, and I don't know if they still do it, but they used to, because uh, Illinois had a lot of nuclear power, and we still have some. They're always threatening to shut them down. Uh, There's a place here. I don't know if they're old coal mines or what they are, but there's massive underground caverns Mm. here in somewhere in Illinois, and they would do the same thing. They're full of water, and and they pump them to the to the top cavern at night, and then run down and turn the turbines in, in the daytime. Yeah, when the wind's on, you you pump the water up and you store yeah. that electricity or that you know that energy. Well, the the, the uh, nuclear yeah. power is run all night. If you if, if yeah. you if you and I wanted to have a uh, and we'll bring Mr. Weber with us, we want to if we want to form a steel mill like uh, who were the guys that were on uh, they they left from uh, they were in Armitage, or in Cortland, uh, Matty the uh, they were there forever. The iron company. Yeah, the steel. No, not not the iron company. The, the actual steel company, Finkels. Okay. If you went by, remember we used to come in in the morning at that hour, and the blast, the, the blast furnace were electric, Hal, believe mm-hmm. it or not, and they and they and they'd only and they only run at night. You'd go by there and you'd see the blast furnace on. Daytime they're all they're all shut off because at night you can get you can get power from the from Commonwealth Edison. It used to be for like next to nothing at night because they had yeah. su- they had such an incredible capacity because the but demand's for, low at night. Yeah, right? there's no, I mean Pullman had a at the Pullman plant which was built in God knows when. We're talking about not a shred of insulation, not a shred of anything. On a cold winter day, we had a uh, an engineer. The guy's name was, uh, I remember him because he was a terrific guy. He's talked to him all the time. And, boy, I tell you what, every time I talked to the dude, I walked away learning something. The guy's name was uh, Sudhir Gopana. He was an Indian dude. And he was a he was an engineer and a freighter. So if, if you want to see a guy who's an, in, an engineer, I mean, he probably runs a building and so forth, those guys are the best. He goes, oh, Tom. You couldn't go to the hardware store in the middle of the ocean. You had to fix it yourself. <laughs> and you know that, being out of, being out of naval ship. Yeah. And, uh, he, yeah, it didn't work. He, he came up with a plan. The, the plan didn't work. He didn't shower for a week. Well, he came up with a plan to, to heat the factory at night with these huge electric boilers. And everybody's looking at him like he had four heads. And he goes, no, the electricity, electricity is so cheap that if yeah. I can get this big old building up to 50 degrees at night when it's like five below outside... I can turn them off during the day because the heat of all the machinery and everything else keeps it at 55, and it's just, it, we saved a bunch of dough by turning yeah. all the other stuff off and just having electric boilers at night. Which you you'd sit well, there and go, that's the craziest that, idea you ever heard. It, it was brilliant. Well, the, 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 the thing about it is markets are awesome, man. Markets are awesome. you got to listen to the markets, not people set prices. Yeah. Well, yeah. Gotta, our, yeah demand's low, price is low. Uh that's when you want to turn the electric boilers on. It makes sense to me, and it's a beautiful thing. Well, they, you should see the size of these things. God. Anyway, <laughs> hey, we're going to go to break here. When we come back, uh, let's talk a little bit about yesterday we had, you know, the, the big seven was up during the day. The rest of the market was kind of down, so it was kind of an odd day there. We've had these huge moves in the in the dollar, uh, you know, which is really key in everything here. Um, the rates are doing what they're doing. Are we seeing the 10-year rate? And a thirty-year rate essentially separating from the short-term rate, uh, and, and where is the Fed on all this mess? And what's it going to do to the deficit? I guess we got a lot. We got a lot to say in, in the next half hour. SP futures down twenty-two. Nasdaq futures down ninety-five. Be right back. Stocks and jacks. 
How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know all while exploring how to live your best life through music spirits food sports travel fitness and a whole lot more luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures it's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into wall street's investment gurus it's for mavericks who believe in life luxury and the pursuit of happiness it's for you smart investors don't bet on possibilities they play the probabilities luckbox is 7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howard, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. At PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and tried to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it is time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time decay for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello, Stocks and Jocks. I'm Tamar. We're on the board. SP futures up, I'm sorry, down 22. NASDAQ futures down 96. Uh, the board is pretty red. The only thing I see up is I got NVIDIA up 48 cents and, uh, that's about it. Uh, everything else is down. Everything else is red and straightened. Uh, that's not a good sign. Uh, we're in Europe. We've got the uh, DAX down 129. That's 0.8%. That's actually up a little bit the last time we looked. FTSE, however, was unchanged. Now it's down 18. That's 0.2%. Kakaron down 58.8%. So they went from being mixed to uh, 
down UK food prices uh, fell according to their CPI over there. I think part of what you're seeing in the dollar is that the inflation does seem to be dropping a little more in Europe than it is here. It's just the observation from what these two these two currencies are moving. Over in Asia, Nikkei down 521, that's 1.6%. Hang Seng down 478, that's 2.7%. 17,331 and a whole number, ouch. Australia's central bank kept their rates unchanged. Uh, Shanghai is up three points, over 0.1%. Actually, you know what? They're still not, they're still not open. So... Um, uh, strike that one. They've been closed for like four days. Um, U.S. yesterday, uh, Dow was down 74. The S&P's uh, unchanged. NASDAQ up 88. Uh, Biden, here's the big number. A uh, 16-year level we've reached here. A 10-year is at up five basis points, 4.73. I hope Kenny's not right that we're going to be at 5% by Friday, but maybe we will. The bund up three basis points, 2.93, clearly heading towards three. Uh, Japan unchanged 0.77. Oil down 27 cents. It's down a bunch. It was down. It was up to 93 hours a couple days ago. It's down to 88.55. Rent down 42 cents, 90.29. Natural gas up a penny, 285. Arbob down two cents, 239. Gold, ouch, uh, down another five bucks, 18.42. Silver down another nine cents, 21.33. It's got to be down like 10% from the Friday opening. That's bizarre. Uh, copper down a penny, 362. We've got uh, Bitcoin down 390 after its big rally yesterday, 27,476. And the U.S. dollar, which is kind of the culprit on all this, is uh, up again today, but not that much. Euro's at 104.6 and British pound at 120.7. And you got for us traffic weather sports. 37 minutes past the hour. Good morning once again to everyone out there. We're starting to see some accidents pile up here. Uh, especially to the west and south. We'll start on the Eisenhower inbound side, North Mill Road. Uh, there's a crash that's been moved to the right shoulder, causing delays on I-290 coming in from the uh, eastbound uh, side. Uh, two crashes on the Stevenson. First one, northbound side at Cass Avenue. There's a crash on the right shoulder. And then uh, further inbound, northbound side at Pulaski. There's a crash. And then lastly on the south side, uh, if you're heading out on I-57, this is on the outbound side just before Flossmoor Road. There's a crash that's been moved to the right shoulder, and we're seeing solid congestion build up from that crash. So a bunch of issues out there affecting uh, the south side and coming in from the western suburb uh, expressways. As far as the north side is concerned, no accidents to report, but your inbound Kennedy is up to 53 minutes uh, from O'Hare into downtown, and the Edens is at 65 minutes from Deerfield Road into downtown. Weather today, another beautiful uh, early fall day, uh, cooler than yesterday, but still uh, well above normal. Sunshine with a high of 81. Right now it's crystal clear and 67 degrees downtown. For our Phoenix listeners, sunny with a high of 89 today. Right now it's clear and 66. In sports, Monday Night Football last night, it was Seattle blowing out the New York Giants uh, on the road 24-3. And lastly, the MLB playoffs will begin today. Uh, The first game of the uh, playoff season is this afternoon, 2 p.m. on ABC, the Rays hosting the Rangers. At 3.30, it will be the Twins hosting the Blue Jays. At 6 p.m., the Brewers uh, will host the Diamondbacks. And then lastly, at 7 p.m. Central Time, it will be the Phillies hosting the Marlins. Chief. Why was the... uh the uh, Monday Night Football on Channel 7 last night, does that mean they're going back to free TV on Monday Night Football? All season so far, um, you know, the first three weeks they had a, a double header. So one of the games was on Channel 7 and one was on ESPN. And then last night was the first night of a single Monday Night Football game, and it was only on Channel 7. So I don't know if they're all 
going to be on Channel 7 moving forward or if uh, it's just a select handful. But so far, every week on Monday Night Football, there's been a game on Channel 7. Um, are they? It's because it's, it's, it's higher rated than anything else. Well, that's, that was my question. Are they just because of the huge success of Sunday Night Football being an essentially free TV, are they thinking the, the Channel 7 model is better than the ESPN model? Now? I would think so. Yeah, the the, uh, <laughs> the Sunday night football game between the Jets and the Chiefs, uh, which ended up being a decent game. It looked like it was going to be a blowout, but it ended up being a, a good game in the second half. Drew 27 million viewers, which is you know ten, which is what ten times more than regular programming would draw uh, on that channel, and it's it's like doubles what an is NBA that, final or a World Series any, game would it, draw. How, is that at any point during the? Three and a half hours, or, or I think is so. It, yeah, I mean, it's not every given second. There's twenty nine. It's people. it's the high point during the three hours. So, um, so these networks are realizing live sports, specifically live NFL football, outdraws everything by far, and so they're they're putting it back on free TV when they can. And then the streaming services are paying up big dollars to to carry these games when they can. So you'll have games on on Peacock or on ESPN Plus, like the London game was on Sunday morning. Please, please tell me that. The Bears are going to be on Prime Thursday night, which I don't get, so I don't, I don't have to watch. They are going to be on Prime Thursday night. I'll bet locally they're going to be now. On locally, Sunday. I'm pretty sure they'll be on Channel Seven or Fox, one of the two. Um, why? Hell, uh, feel free to chime in here. I guess I'm, I'm sort of curious that every, I mean, as you know, this, I'm always curious about this, Matty. Is that uh, these sports places have all? You know, I'm going to say that I'm, I'm just you know some schlump doing the show with, with us. Uh, I'm I'm stunned at the, at the no matter what no matter where any NFL heads out to do, they always seem to come back to free TV as the the, the biggest bang for their buck. And yet, baseball and basketball have totally gone a different direction. I wonder if one of them is wrong, or if the NFL is right, and then Major League Baseball is just can't figure it out. Or uh, I, do you think the Cubs are doing? way better on marquee than they would be on channel nine i don't know but the cubs are in my opinion the cubs are are burying their product that's what i'm saying for short-term gains i'm sure they're they're looking at their balance sheet right now and and it looks great because uh you know a a select number of people uh went to cable like myself because they wanted to watch the games and then they released this app uh, a couple months ago so now in the chicago market a la carte for 20 bucks a month during the season you can you can uh stream cubs games which is brand new. And so the, the, some people probably downloaded that and are paying for that. So in the short term, they're, they're, they're patting themselves on the back. In the long term, they're losing huge chunks of their fan base, and it'll continue to get worse, and they're going to drive their product you know, way south of wh- where it was. Well, if, I'm a, if it's Stacks and Jacks or if it's PTI Securities, and I want to I buy an ad, wouldn't I be paying more if they were on Channel 9 and everybody could watch it than if I do on Marquee? You would think so, yeah. I mean, I would say 100%. Um, but we all know baseball doesn't draw anywhere near what football draws. So um, for football, it's a huge difference, I would think, because if you're talking 27 million viewers on on a on just for a early regular season Sunday night football game, you know, one big market, one small market, and you're getting 27 million, that that's a serious uh, advertising um, you know opportunity there. Whereas uh, a, a Sunday night Cubs baseball game or a Tuesday night Cubs baseball game between you know the Cubs and the Kansas City Royals, 
they're not drawing you know hardly anybody. So maybe they're happy to have the subscription on those nights. I don't well, know. I, I heard tell, and I, I can't quantify it. That's why I'm hoping the professor can help us out here. Uh, when the Cubs were on, when all they did was play day baseball, uh, and you're sitting there, oh, man, you're, you're losing your crowd at night, and the ratings are, are more at night. Somebody, I don't know, what, what we, John, John and I were on the score at the time. Somebody came in, one of our guests, and he said, it was hard to quantify, he said, but every saloon in this country, <laughs> if you went into a saloon at 3 in the afternoon in Oklahoma, the Cub game was on. Yeah, huge. So I, I don't know how that, I don't know if they, if they ever got the national sponsorship that they probably, quote, deserved, or they never thought it was worth it, and you're better off with the night games because you're, you're, obviously your crowd is much more is bigger and your skyboxes and all the other stuff. But I'd I, I, I wonder, Hal, if you did the, the math on that, which would be better? Well, uh, my buddy Bingo, who's a volleyball coach and athletic director at a high school in Oregon, we were living in Oregon, and we grew up under basic cable, and he was a big uh, Cubs fan because WGN was part of basic cable. Yeah. And I was an Astros fan because I liked Earl Campbell and Moses Malone, so I gravitated to the Astros. And they were playing all the time. It seemed like they were always, all the time playing on WTBS or WGN, right? So uh, I think that's the reason why. I mean, and those games were playing during the day. So, you know, you wake up at 10 o'clock in the morning on the West Coast and the Cubs are playing, right? And so that creates a nation- nationwide fan base. Um, I think what the problem with baseballs, they don't have, they, uh, Oregon, Stanford, Duke have figured this out. You have to create kind of like an artificial scarcity. And and, and uh, so what you do is you build a, a smaller stadium. Like Cameron Indoor Stadium only holds, what, 10,000 people? Yep. And only the most rabid fans will wait in line for a week and a half, camping out for those few student tickets. Uh, the The successful alumni will donate $150,000 to get on a list for the right to purchase a season ticket, right? So I think what the problem with baseball is they got 162 games. Is there, you know, one year I watched all the games that were broadcast with the Mariners when they had Ichiro. Was it Ichiro? And uh, they won 114 games. That was when they had, uh, the they was, had Martinez. They had all those guys. Yeah. Yeah. So I watched I watched that, se- that whole season that year, right? Uh, but that was the only time I really did that. There's a lot of games. In the NFL, there's only, what, 18 games? Seven, so they're up they, to seven. They're up to seventeen, but you can watch, you know. Seventeen, yeah. So you got seventeen games, and they're once a weekend, right? So they they got this built-in scarcity, and when things are scarce, people tend to value it more. And well, I think that's the problem with baseball in the NBA. The NBA's got way too many games. My goodness, they, they need to go down to like maybe forty. And if they went down to forty, I, I think eighty-two basketball games is a model for the seventies. When there was when they, when their games were not when one game yeah but you're not going to tell these but if you cut down the games by half you're going to cut the salaries by half they don't want that well I think I think what will happen is interest in NBA you know in each individual game will be more highly valued and you'll have more interest in the those particular games well, I think they got to create a, 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 a the scarcity there's just way too many games and then like the superstars will take off like 13 games a season. So the fans know that the regular season just doesn't matter, and they kind of like are on cruise control until. Well, the more you the expand, start. the more you expand the playoffs, then really the. the yeah. I mean, when you when you only had the, the the people won the division, you got in the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, the November games actually did mean something. Where now, you know, yeah. everybody makes the playoffs, it kind of doesn't. But 
Um, yeah. yeah, what I'm looking at the uh, get a load of this. I'm looking at this debt clock. Their new thing now is they have a warning signs on the stuff that is uh, <laughs> that they think is really a problem. They got interest on national debt with a big warning, like a highway warning sign. On it. Um, yeah. Despite the kind of reminiscent of the uh, terrorism uh, warnings that the news used to broadcast at the oh, bottom yeah. on their scroll. Oh yeah, yeah. I, uh, I uh, oh, the, the Medicare number is huge here, and they get. But I, I, uh, I mean, if you look at this, and, and we and dispense with the, the the knuckleheads in uh, in Washington and the politics of it, how high can this national debt thing go before somebody says we need some more taxes? Even though I don't want to pay another nickel, and I think I'm paying too much now. I mean. At some point here, somebody's got to say that, especially if the interest rates keep going up. I mean, I, I mean, I don't really care which side of the aisle you're on. How do you, how do you ignore this number? Well, it's, it's going to be ignored. The politicians are going to uh, point it out. The ones that want to cut spending are going to point it out. The ones that want to raise taxes are going to point it out during the election year. And then after the election's over with, and everybody's settled into their nice, cozy seats. Uh, in Congress where their salaries are increased by the rate of inflation or more and their benefits are incredible they're going to ignore it so uh, I, I can expect zero effort expelled on fixing our debt issue and the result of that will be higher and higher interest rates over well, time I don't, I don't see how some of the stuff I'm, I'm kind of with you but I uh, we listen to you know Carl which is you know, he's usually right on this stuff we're the largest largest budget item by far right now, what do you think it is? Probably, well, defense is up there. It's probably about $700 billion. Yep. And then you, I think 75% of it is um, like locked in, which means we're not really a republic. It's just kind of locked in automatic. Only 25% of the budget is discretionary. So that's that's a problem for me. But it's probably military. And then I would think... Uh, eh. Uh, eh. Oh, it's not military? Not even close. Uh, not even close, well... I got Medicare, Medicaid, a trillion six, mm, Social wow. Security, a trillion three, defense, eight hundred billion, interest on national debt, seven hundred billion, almost as much as defense. That's that's yeah. startling. Wow. That is startling. Yeah. Um, well, I don't think anybody's going to fix it anytime soon. So, the best way to uh, plan for plan for the future is plan for the situation where they don't fix it, right, and where they inflate and. How do you how do you plan for the future if they're going to inflate? Well, I, I think you need to have uh, a person. I think you need to have rental property. You need to have real estate. Well, I, I don't know how you. Uh, I mean, I, when I well, you are a professor. When I was sitting there in class, I still want to sit in one of yours one of these days. But uh, well, I'd really be the somebody would wonder what the hell I was. I'd be the sore thumb in the back of the room. Uh, the you know, I remember Milton Friedman say inflation is the cruelest tax. It is. And it's the, cruel. Yeah. And the biggest Especially ben- on the poor. And the biggest benefit to tax inflation is the government. That's why you have to constantly watch them. But somehow or another, this Medicare and Medicaid's got to get walked back. Yeah. It, it can't. The difference is, it's not like the care is getting that much better. It's. Yeah. I mean, Social Security. You know, a lot of that's you know it's, it's paid in for. But uh, these numbers, I don't see how you. I don't I mean. I don't, I don't see this, this. These are. I mean, d- defense is is essentially, it's half. It's the same. It's half of Medicare and Medicaid. Well, I think you know if, if you really look at what's, what's going on in China, I think they're going to have an even bigger problem in five or ten years because they have a huge, massive. Now their benefits are probably a lot lower, but think about the number of people who are going to be, you know, reaching 
6570 in China in a few years. And did they do they have the population to support that? I think it's actually probably worse. Well, how many did they wipe Japan out with the China, COVID? So it could be worse. How many uh, how many old people do you think they wiped out with the COVID? It's an awful, awful thing to say. Well, there I've read articles where like 20, 30 million people just kind of like disappeared. Well, the phone, yeah, that's how many phone numbers like walk, walked off. Yeah, they just yeah. Just I think gone. you mentioned that, right? Yeah, yeah. it's uh, yeah. It, but you know, is India? India's got more people in China now, right? Yeah, uh, Nigeria. Nigeria's a kind of in terms of land, it's kind of a small country, but they expect Nigeria to be what the third largest country in about that's, ten uh, years, pushing three three hundred fifty million people. I was shocked at how many people live there. Uh, in in Nigeria, so um, was it? Was yeah, it, yeah. Are we going to find out that Malthus was right? No, I don't think Malthus is right right at all. I mean, if uh, if we go along with the World Economic Forum and these globalists want, to me they're not globalists. To me, they're they're gatekeepers of their industry. They're going to use government to be a gatekeeper for their particular industries, and they they espouse these lofty goals of saving the planet and whatnot. But they're just going to use government to save their companies to be the gatekeeper of competition. They're, they're going to use it to limit the competition that they face. Well, so that, that, all that kind of stuff is nonsense. Well, but if they have their way, then uh, and they wreck markets, if they go through and wreck all these markets and, and put in uh, price-setting programs throughout the world and limit uh, freedom, I think we can have a situation where there's mass starvation. Yeah. What uh, For those... Um, I, I could ask Mr. Weber, but Malthus was a guy who came up with a theorem and said that people will end up having as many people, as, as many kids as possible. You, know, you never get off basically the, the the base line where you just you just can survive. And obviously, well, it, what's going to happen over the next ten, twenty years is as these countries and as these poor countries develop, they're not going to have the families aren't going to have like eight kids. They're going to have maybe one or two. Right. So as this as the countries develop, the birth rate's going to fall. But is it mean? And I can actually I can actually see world population declining. But I'm saying he, but he was, he's been proven wrong in any areas that develop, and the areas that don't develop, I'm not so sure he's all that wrong. Yeah. And what do you what do you make of? Uh, you have in, inroads. I'm going to say because you read more of this economic stuff than I do. What is the solution? What is? I mean, we had we talked earlier about all the people coming to Chicago and buses and a lot of them now are from Venezuela. Okay. Well what what is the what is the solution to the the bleep storm that is Venezuela? They haven't had any money. Hell you've been on the show with us for four or five they they don't have their inflation started how did how do you go through the day in Venezuela or Syria or Sudan or any place where these everybody just can't wait to get out of, even Ukraine for that matter. Uh how do you go through the day? How do you get on the bus? Is there there's no money? Do people just do whatever they want? How do you eat? I mean, how do you go buy bread? I mean, I, I can't even imagine what it's it's a day is like in Venezuela, and yet they've yeah, got a bazillion. It's still, it, it's very similar to what's going on, uh, what happened in Germany, uh, which led to the rise of Hitler, right? Or what happened in Zimbabwe uh, during the early 2000s. Uh, people tend to go to. Uh, I mean, when, when things go as bad as they're going in Venezuela, where government comes in, nationalizes industry, sets price controls, um, when it nationalizes industry, um, it uh, turns up production, doesn't invest in equipment, it pr uh, produces at a non-profit maximizing level, it has to paper over the losses of these government industries. Um, 
they're not disciplined by the market. When things go bad, they get really bad. And humans stop being human. When when you're starving, you will you know go into a zoo and you'll kill a zebra and eat it, or you'll go out and kill an elk and eat it without even cooking it. That's how bad I think things are for some people in Venezuela. And the 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 way to fix Venezuela is to get rid of all, get rid of all the price controls, get rid of all the government programs, reset the system with markets. That's the only way you you fix a place like Haiti. I, I don't know what you're gonna do about Haiti. My my mother-in-law falls, but the government is so inept there that what, what's going on there is basically what's going to happen in Mexico eventually. I think is the cartels run the country, and a lot of that. A lot of it, a lot of the problem in Haiti and Mexico is the idiotic drug war that um, eliminates mild matter criminals who are selling drugs illegally, and then that that eliminates the elimination of them leads to really violent people uh, satisfying the demand of Americans who want drugs. So I, th- I think the cartel situation in Mexico is going to get worse. I think it's going to get worse in the United States. And you look at the Fed. I mean, what has the Fed done since 2010? The share, the top 1% share of total assets rose 26% since 2009. What does that tell you? It tells you the Fed is an engine of inflation. Sure there. It, that, and it induces government spending that wouldn't have otherwise exist. It induces consumerism. It induces malinvestment. And it induces pollution from overconsumption. It enables these uh, reckless politicians and their reckless fiscal deficits. And in the end, the rich get the newly money, the newly printed money first before prices rise. And that's what causes the wealth gap to rise. Well, if you so look at... Uh, there are some fixes. The number we've, we've kicked around... Um, for the last four years, and I know like a broken record on this, is that is is really forty percent, and, and yeah. it's amazing how uh, thirty five to forty is what the inflation's been since two thousand and twenty. Yeah, uh, and I look, and Greg Pappas is uh, he's sending up some really good, sending me some really good stuff that he digs up. He loves digging up research. He's he's almost like a young Carl for God's sake. He sent me stuff last week. The amount of money, Maddie, this would be interesting for you. The amount of money, you know, I've, I've given the number, uh, 17000 a year would follow a, a, a Chicago public student to the, new, to the new high school or the high school he goes to. Well, that's, a, that's about an eight-year-old number. I knew it was higher. It's now 29000 per kid, twenty nine five, And it's up 40% in the last, since January of 2020. And what, what do we get for that? Uh, uh, well, that, that's, another, that's uh, people who don't pass any tests. Uh, well, there's yeah. you know you have your magnet schools and you have those kinds of things. So I mean, it's not like it's all horrible, but uh, the the price. Well, we're talking about the the public schools that service yeah. these inner city yeah. kids. They, they they don't they they use up a lot of money and nobody comes out of there knowing anything. The the average loan on a new used car is like you know it's like five hundred now or something, and a new car is like seven fifty. Right? They're all up forty percent in the last four years or three and a half years. So. The Fed right now, and I never thought in my lifetime this would happen again, they have to make a very serious decision of, is whether they're going to protect the asset prices, meaning the rich people and the government to a certain extent, or whether they're going to bring back the inflation number to where the regular people can. They, they, yeah. they, they have an absolute decision tree right now. Do we do something for the 85% of the people or the other 15%? You can't, you can't cut back the price level the way it is right now 
without touching the stock market. And, it's, and, yeah. the, and the stock market is, is the final leg of the stool for rich people right now. And, you, and yeah. also you're going to collapse the housing market. It's a decision that they should, never should have had to make, but they, they put themselves in that corner. Am I wrong? Well, you know, it's even worse if you go back to 2011. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. M2 is up, yeah, M2 is up 133%. Nominal GDP, which uh, uh, has the growth of nominal GDP is the sum of real GDP and inflation. Nominal GDP is up 65%. Annually, those numbers, those percent changes equate to 8.8% a year in M2 and 5.2% a year in nominal GDP, I, I, which means... We're in. We've had a recession since 2011. I, I think if you go back to 2000, you're, you've had yeah. the, the inflation rate's been four, and they've been saying it's one or two. Hal, thank you very much, buddy. Uh, SP futures down 30, Nasdaq futures down uh, 131. We, we came in, we're like unchanged. We've been nothing but go down through the whole show. Uh, Maddie, thank you. Hal, I'll uh, talk to you next week. Back tomorrow, stocks and jacks. What do we learn, Palmer? I don't know, sir. I don't know either. I guess we learned not to do it again. That's all, folks.